When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. I'm recording this uh, early-ish on, on Monday morning, shortly before markets have opened here in the United States. And, you know, I'll be honest, I, I don't know where to start off. You know, the last time I made a podcast was, it seems so long ago, Thursday. And, and so much has changed since then. And, and I want to talk about the progression of this this COVID-19, the, the changes, and, and to some extent, lack of change in, in behavior here in the United States, as well as places like in, in, in France, uh, Italy, Spain, etc. And I want to talk about what's going on in the financial markets, the Fed action, the IMF action, the Bank of Japan action over the weekend, and, and to some extent today, as well as the precious metals, the, the, the stock market, the bond market. There's so much to discuss today, and, and I'll be honest, I don't know wh- exactly where to start, but, but I want to start off with a quote that I think many of you guys will well, maybe to some extent relate to. Now, it's it's from a movie, actually. A movie by the title of 28 Days Later. Now, for context, 28 Days Later, uh, early 2000s, a uh, zombie sort of movie out of the UK. Um, and, and so, obviously, a little bit more dire of a situation than what we're dealing with right now. Um, but I'll just read it and then kind of explain it to you. This is from one of the, one of the main characters in the movie, Selena. Quote, it started as rioting, but right from the beginning you knew this was different because it was happening in small villages, market towns, and then it wasn't on the TV anymore. It was in the street outside. It was coming through your windows. It was a virus, an infection. You didn't need a doctor to tell you that. It was the blood. It was something in the blood. By the time they tried to evacuate the cities, it was already too late. Army blockades were overrun, and that's when the exodus started. Before the TV and radio stopped broadcasting, there were reports of infection in Paris and New York. We didn't hear anything more after that. Now, I mean, again, zombie movie here. We're talking about blood infection. We're talking about uh, uh, bloodthirsty zombies, and obviously that's not what we're dealing with here. And, and we're not dealing with a, an, an entirely 100% fatal disease. In fact, it's, it's much, much lower than 100%. The point of that, though, is that I think for many of you, myself included, uh, this has been the first time in a long time in which these types of, of major global events have have affected me and I think many of you so directly, right? I mean, occasionally, occasionally, based on your geography, there's other things that's going to affect you. I'm sure I have listeners right now that that went through things like Hurricane Katrina, uh, 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 tropical storm, or Hurricane Sandy, and various other major hurricanes um, that have have hit the mainland, the United States, or Puerto Rico, or elsewhere in the last ten or twenty years, right? You've been through wildfires, some of you blizzards, floods, uh, you know, maybe, maybe local um, scares in terms of different diseases, certainly maybe nothing on this scale, uh, right? Many of you guys have experienced those types of things, right? And, and certainly uh, things like the financial crisis impacted many of you in, in terms of your retirement, your portfolio, your, your job situation, your housing, all of that, right? Um, you, you guys are no stranger being impacted by these types of global or, or regional or local events. But this one, I think, is, is well, I'll, I'll put it this way. You know, 
as I said, maybe some some number of weeks ago on this channel, this could be a, a an event that sort of defines our generation, right, or defines this period of time, this uh this decade, right. Uh, this is certainly uh, there's there's not another example of this um, in the last 100 years. You'd have to go around 100 101 years to, to the Spanish flu to to find another event that's on the same scale. Ebola. SARS, you know, even some of the other flus and, and, and epidemics and whatnot, HIV and AIDS, those things don't quite measure up, right, in terms of the scale of this pandemic. And it's it's getting pretty crazy out there. And yet, um, as, as a, well, I'll put it this way, there's, here in Minnesota, which is where I live, uh, there's a, actually a pretty well-known epidemiologist. In fact, he's recently, almost a week ago, roughly a week ago now, I think, was on the Joe Rogan podcast show, right? Joe Rogan, I mean, I, is, honestly, a lot of his podcasts are too too lengthy, and sometimes the guests just don't interest me. And, and, and I like Joe Rogan, but, you know, he might not be interesting enough just to, to sit through all those interviews. But but roughly a week ago, he interviewed this Michael, Michael Osterholm, a uh, pretty well-known epidemiologist that, that to some extent predicted these types of events occurring, these types of pandemics coming out of China, you know, SARS and, and MERS sort of being a, a precursor of something much larger, much deadlier. And uh, and he talked on that podcast. In fact, he's actually in my hometown here in Duluth uh, just a couple days ago, again, talking about this. And he describes it as this, that uh, people in Minnesota terms here, people here are preparing for a blizzard, right? So you see people, you know, I, I saw, you know, yesterday Walmart, you know, of all the things that were, were sold out, um, bread, which has a relatively short shelf life compared to to a lot of the other durable more or non-perishable goods I should say that were also being sold out. People are preparing for a blizzard when they need to prepare for a winter. Uh, and and I've seen that, you know, in my own local, you know, areas, you know, colleges and whatnot making plans for 2 3 weeks out in terms of classes. Same thing goes for for school districts, uh, elementary schools and the like. Uh, and yet the CDC comes out yesterday and says we, our guidance is to to limit gatherings to under 50 people for the next eight weeks. I think those types of things really spook the markets. And I think they reinforce this idea that we have to prepare for a a winter, not just a blizzard. Uh, so so before we go any further, in fact, before we go into the markets, which is these are just crazy things that are happening right now. I mean, this is... Um, I'm antsy to get going on, on talking about what's going on in the markets. And, and honestly, I'm recording this shortly before open, but um, I might have to sit here for even longer than just wait until you know 8.30 Central time to get an idea of where the market's going because it's likely going to limit down and then trading's going to be halted. So so before I get to any of that, what can you do now to prepare? I mean, first of all, like if, if you haven't yet, oh, it's fine, but, but you sort of missed the boat on some things. But it doesn't mean you don't have time at all there's still supplies in most stores and whatnot that would will come in handy uh first of all before you do anything like that though um get a plan with your family members get a plan with your your spouse anybody else that you share a house or whatever with um and and reinforce with them get a plan to to limit outings to lock down sort of quarantine to some extent not fully, maybe, right? Because you'll need supplies at some point and whatnot. But, but have that in place and say, you know, until further notice, you know, can we say we'll reevaluate this in a week? That's all. I, that's all I ask is a week. Then we'll reevaluate. Um, 
have that figured out relatively soon. As soon as you go out, I, I, if I were you, I would make my first stop at the bank. Uh, pull out a large sum of cash. Again, none of this is financial advice or anything like that, but take your cash out of the banks. Um, and I'm not trying to to start a bank run here, but banks are looking um, risky. I guess you know, I had a, a cousin of mine who's who's been a longtime prepper and and I said, hey, you know, get get some cash out of the banks, and and you know, he kind of was saying, you know, why? I was like, freeze some accounts, or what's going to happen? I said, well, you know, there's maybe a less than a fifty percent chance of it happening, but it's right now is maybe the highest chance of any of that crazy stuff happening since the financial crisis in terms of banks closing, ATMs not spitting out cash, either running out of cash or just not working because the accounts that that you're trying to access aren't working. Um, outgoing transactions from banks, you know, electronic ones, not working. Uh, limits on transactions or, or withdrawals, at least. You know, really only accepting money one way, and that's into the bank. Those types of actions, um, they're, they're very possible at this point in time. Get some cash out of the bank, right? But if you can still use your card and whatnot, use that for for what you're going to do next, and and that would be to to go to your you know local supermarket. Now Walmart, from my experience, Walmart. Is, is in decent shape, right? Um, depending on where you live, if you live in Washington or New York or um, maybe not, but, but you know, go to maybe a local, more local chain, Walgreens, things like that, you're, you're going to pay more money, not going to have as much stuff in bulk, but they might have a better chance of having things in stock. You know, up here, it's, it's, a, it's a supermarket chain called uh, Super One, which is largely just groceries and, and some other consumer goods, not the clothing and electronics and everything that you have at a Walmart or something like that. But but they have more local distribution. They haven't gotten as much attention, I think, from shoppers, and so that might give you a better chance. If you can, grab like the things that everyone else is grabbing right now, baby wipes, toilet paper, um, hand sanitizer, uh, Lysol and, and disinfectants, things of that nature, um, masks, gloves. I mean, those things are you know, if you can find them, um, gloves, you might have a better chance, but I mean, those aren't going to offer a ton of protection versus just hand sanitizer or a mask. Uh, and, and then, you know, get what you can for non-perishable foods, canned foods, rice, beans, uh, you know, uh, things of like, like box meals, um, you know, like, and like in our household, you know, rice a um, um, or, or, uh, shells and cheese, you know, things of that nature, mac and cheese, whatever your family or you enjoy, you know, ramen noodles, pasta, um, you know, from my experience, a lot of those things are pretty close to sold out. Uh, for example, pasta, you know, it's not all empty from the shelves, but but a lot of it is. The bulk stuff is, the cheap stuff is, and, and what's left is is pasta made from alternative ingredients like like lentils and, and whatnot, which, which I enjoy. I think I eat chickpea pasta occasionally it's great it's really good for you but but uh so i mean don't be afraid to buy something like that but but a lot of the bulk stuff is is sold out um a lot of perishable or non-perishable stuff right frozen stuff too if you have room in your freezer this is probably not gonna be an event that that knocks out the power grid hopefully widespread um at least at this point that that's we'd be several several weeks months away from anything crazy like that so um yeah, and and then uh, you know fill up your gas tank again. Maybe take out some more cash at the ATM, and uh, head home and, and get your plan figured out. Right? Um, any medications you need, make sure you get those. Uh, any refills that that you're up for, refill it as soon as possible. Um, 
pharmacies may or may not close, but certainly your movement could be restricted in the near future. And uh, pharmaceuticals, uh, you know, the supply of those are, could be coming to to um, very short supply in the near future. So anyways, that's that's my advice right now if you haven't really gotten some of these things figured out. Let's get into what's happening. Uh, and we'll start with the, the virus itself and, and the spread of it. Now, these numbers are not perfect because testing is, is far from perfect. Um, but, you know, a while ago, a couple, you know, probably less than a week ago, over on Macro Voices, Eric Townsend, uh, he, he talked about um, this idea of, of logarithmic growth, which is a topic I understand fully and everything. But he's talking about how, you know, cases outside of China have been uh, not doubling, but, but moving up by a magnitude of 10 every so many days. And, and it was anywhere from like 13 to 16 days. You know, I don't remember the exact number. But but basically, looking at these numbers, you know, the, the days it took to move from 1,000 to 10,000 cases was you know, roughly two weeks, give or take a couple days. And he was basically saying that, you know, 10,000 to 100,000, sorry, 100,000 was going to be a similar number of days. And, and I remember listening to that and thinking, you know, that that makes sense. Um, I don't think social distancing quite yet is going to impact that, but I don't know about testing. You know, I don't, I don't know if that's actually going to happen. And and the the time, you know, is going to be right around now, maybe a couple of days again, give or take from now that that number of cases outside of mainland China, we're going to be at 100,000, right? Moving up a magnitude of 10 from where they were roughly two weeks ago. And I remember being a bit, uh, somewhat doubtful, um, but but that's where we're at, actually. We're, we're just shy of that, you know, probably within the next 24 hours, we will be at over 100,000 cases outside of mainland China. And, and most of these are centered in, at least officially, based on tests, Italy, um, which reported their largest increase yet just yesterday, continues to, to increase at a very fast pace. Same thing goes for their death count. Very, very dire situation there. Um, Iran, uh, which is coming up on 15,000 cases, but, but is maybe the lowest count of any of these on this list. Um, relative to the actual number of cases, with the exception of maybe China. It's hard to say. China is just so much more opaque. But but where China cremated uh, these bodies, you know, we have pictures, satellite pictures now, posted by the Washington Post, not not some crackpot conspiracy theorist like myself, uh, of, of football-sized uh, mass graves in Iran, which is uh, certainly no laughing matter. Uh, South Korea seems to have it under control, however, um, they, they obviously are at risk of a rebound because of people going out and because of, uh, well, importing that infection, right, from elsewhere if they happen to do that. Uh, but, but then, you know, elsewhere, Spain, Germany, and France continue to move at a very fast pace. Spain is over 8,000. Germany is over 6,000. France is over 5,000. By the way, Germany, their death count of 13, which is markedly lower than Italy's, which is over 1,800. Spain's coming up on 300. France is over 120. Their death rate of 13 looks fairly low, and I think a lot of it is just, it's not that the German healthcare system is not much better. Um, I, you know, I read from one person, again, it's hard to confirm these things, but that they don't test a whole lot post-mortem, and that could be partially explaining it, or that they maybe chalk up more of these to, to the comorbidities or the underlying conditions than the virus itself. It's hard to say, um, but, but basically assume that Germany is not going to somehow fare a whole lot better than Spain or France or even Italy. Um, the United States, over 3,800 cases, uh, 66 deaths, um, continues to move. I mean, you still have sort of these these epicenters that are, you know, California, uh, Washington, and, and New York, 
and and you know really the east and west coast but but it's hardly necessarily the case that that's where there's plenty of cases in almost every state except you know west virginia i think didn't have any last time i checked but but again probably because they're not testing for it a whole lot United Kingdom, 1,300. Uh, Switzerland, 2,200. Netherlands, over 1,000. Norway, over 1,000. Belgium and Sweden, over 1,000. Austria, Denmark, uh, getting close to that. Malaysia's showing quite a bit of an increase. Um, Qatar, Australia, Canada, Greece, Czech Republic, Finland. You know, these are all 300s, 400s, 200s, etc. in terms of cases. Um, so this is a, I mean, it's, it's, it's spreading very quickly. And, and seeing some of these pictures and scenes from over the weekend, uh, in some cases, you know, the, the nightclubs in, in places like Nashville and elsewhere um, being as busy as ever um, or at airports, uh, these, these rooms full of hundreds of people standing almost shoulder to shoulder because of, of enhanced screening. You know, those types of scenes really make me believe that, that we're, we're a little ways away from, from the peak in infections, even if some social distancing is, is coming into play here. Right, because uh, nightclubs are are very close spaces, and in the airport, I mean, what are the odds if you have a room full of a couple hundred people? What are the odds that at least one of them isn't infected? I mean, the odds are pretty high that at least one person is infected. We know that this is a a respiratory droplet, maybe or air, to some extent aerosolized infection pathway. Right, the whole guidance of a couple meters apart, you know. Um, well, you're moving a lot, a lot of moving parts in, in a big room of people, and you're you're likely going to be spreading those droplets all over the place, even if you're not all that symptomatic or even asymptomatic, right? Uh, it's just a really tough situation. And, 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 you know, travelers, whether they're coming in or leaving, I mean, those are going to be people at higher risk than if you just grab a couple hundred people from some small town America, right? Uh, so that's, I mean, if they weren't infected, now, if you're trying to screen out the ones that are infected, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people that will be infected following that type of an event. Very concerning to see that. And again, you know, makes me wonder how far we are from, from the peak here, right? And, and plenty of other examples of that. I think I saw some some reports of that in places like France, um, Brazil, uh, and many other places the world over. Um, it's the nature of the, the illness that, that it... You know, it really uh, takes some time, but to, to really make an impact. I want to circle back to the coronavirus here in a couple minutes, but I want to quickly talk about the markets. This is this is pretty bonkers. So as I speak, it's 830, and, and I fully expect the, the Dow Jones to basically um, limit down. Um, many people are, are expecting it to potentially be closed at some point this week. Uh, and, and so, you know, before we get to that, um, oil has dropped under... $30. In fact, I'll get the exact price for you here off of uh, oilprice.com, which seems like a pretty trustworthy site. Uh, as I speak, WTI is at $29.04 a barrel. Uh, Brent crude is, is just under $32, right? Um, <clears throat> pretty significant drop. Uh, not not as dramatic as, as a week or two ago, but still pretty significant. Uh, you know, if you look at the U.S. 10-year yield that continues to move down meaning treasury prices continue to move up in fact as i speak uh all the way down at 0.765 percent and i'm not entirely sure if that is up to date as markets are opening right now um we'll, we'll see exactly where that heads hey how about gold and silver i know some of you guys have been waiting for this 
I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. All right, you guys know I'm a big gold and silver podcast here, and we know why this is happening. This is a full-blown liquidation of these gold and silver positions, maybe mixed together with some potentially manipulation, right? Why? Why manipulation? Well, I mean, the last thing you want is these safe haven assets to, to be rallying when everything else is crashing. So I think there's kind of both of that. But, but what do I mean here? Well, we'll start off with the more positive of the two. Uh, gold is back in the $1,400 range. In fact, currently around $1,455 an ounce. Uh, sitting around maybe some support level there. But still, I mean, that's almost $100 down in, in like 24 hours, right? It was uh, up around 1550 you know, at open or or at some point yesterday. In fact, it's over 1560 1570s maybe uh, overnight yesterday. Uh, but, but guys, it gets better. Uh, silver, which, which opened in the $14 range, is actually currently trading in the $12 range. Yeah, one, two, right? Um, currently trading at 1262. Ton of volatility still, but but down hugely, you know, over 10%. One of the worst days for, for silver on record, I believe. Uh, and, and it wasn't, you know, especially given the fact that it was already down quite a bit. Um, just for kicks, if you want to talk about the gold to silver ratio, uh, it actually topped out um, just shy of 123. Um, currently sitting uh, around 115. Right, uh, but the, the problem with this is that if you're looking to, to get a bargain on that, uh, well, good luck because it's it's not going to happen right now. Um, if if you look around at dealers, which many of which have been sold out, uh, they still have some stuff in stock. Shipping times are going to be a week, probably at least two weeks. Um, they, their price hasn't really dropped. Right, and and I don't blame. I mean, you can't if you're the dealer, you're not going to drop based on this volatility. Drop your price right now. Uh, a lot of it, you know, the cheapest you can get is maybe in the fifteen or sixteen dollar range for some of these, you know, generic silver. Not in the twelve or thirteen dollar range. Sorry, guys, if you can find it out there, right? Maybe there's some, you know, look around. Maybe eBay, you know, if if there's someone that's just set to to follow the, sort of the spot price and and they haven't changed it yet, they haven't updated it yet. You know, check it out. Maybe. Maybe you can find it out there, um, but uh, you know, good luck. Maybe your local dealer, but even that, I I doubt, right? So I mean, pretty crazy, pretty crazy day in the markets to really mark, uh, to to really go along with some crazy times in in society. Um, again, as I speak, uh, Dow Jones limit down basically. Uh, as I speak, down two thousand two hundred and fifty points, which I think qualifies as a limit down. I think, in fact, seven percent is sort of the uh, the marker. So, I mean, this same is true. I mean, I can I'll, I'll search S and P five hundred real quick here, but it's going to be a, a similar story. Uh, S and P five hundred is down a little over eight percent, two hundred twenty and some points. So, that's uh, that's pretty crazy. And that's despite the Fed. By the way, and I've even mentioned this, which is crazy. Right? There's just so many crazy things going on right now. The Fed just yesterday started up the printing presses again. And that's not quite on it. That's not accurate. That's they, they started the printing presses a long time ago, back in 2019. But but they finally kind of reinforced that, yeah, this is 
this is QE again, right? And they went back to, uh, they're basically purchasing $700 billion worth of, of assets, bonds, and mortgage-backed securities. It's QE all over again. It's QE4 finally known as as QE4. Um, they're, they're starting to print the presses up again. Uh, in addition to that, they were back to ZERP, zero interest rate policy. They cut rates to zero but right now, the Fed funds rates between zero and and 025 percent, where it was for so many years until uh, late 2015, when when Janet Yellen finally raised rates, and, and you know we got up to we had a good run, you know, up to two and a half percent or whatever. Um, I don't know if I'll ever see that again, you know, in my lifetime, and unless we're in some sort of massive inflationary environment, and the Fed is forced to to hike rates uh, back to basically zero, and and now I mean you have to wonder. What is it going to take for the Fed to go negative? You know, what is it going to take for the Fed to start buying stocks? Uh, it's nuts. Uh, the IMF is is planning on allowing up to uh, a trillion dollars worth of, of loans, likely to to countries that need it. Which which wow, that's a really broad term. Um, a month ago, if if the IMF was lending money, I would say, you know, what countries are most at risk? Well, here in the, the West, or maybe large countries, I would say, you know, maybe some European countries, you know, Greece, you know, Cyprus, um, Ireland, maybe, you know, maybe like in Italy, you know, in a really bad situation. But then, you know, Argentina, Iran, obviously, because of, of what they've been going through, countries like that. Now, I don't, I don't, I'm not so sure. I think most of the European countries, with the exception of maybe Germany, are on the table. Certainly France, uh, Spain, Italy, Portugal, Ireland, and maybe some of the smaller ones, maybe even you know the UK. Um, certainly a lot of South American, African, Asian countries. Uh, and obviously probably not the United States at this point, but, but those are all... Um, the US has no problem right now raising debt, raising capital. Uh, but but that's, that's pretty nuts. Um, the, the administration over the weekend or on Friday announced you know, a big, basically, bailout package. Or, or a, a relief package, I think that's going to, to continue. I think uh, this ultimately, I think, in many countries, ends in some level of helicopter money, um, handing out checks left and right because of the disruptions to the workplace, to to incomes, to so much. Um, I mean, I think that's ultimately where it ends, or at least starts. Uh, I mean, that's honestly the only, not starts, but that's going to be one other step on this path. I mean, I think it's ultimately going to end in a very high level of, of inflation, very, very bleak outlook for the economy if this really does go on for eight plus weeks, uh, given what's going on in the stock market, given what's going on in in uh, volatility and, and so much else. Um, it's a... Uh, it's hard to say exactly where this is heading, but but again, you know, the Bank of Japan's starting their bailout. The New Zealand Central Bank is starting their own, or not bailout, but, but you know, easing and all that. And uh, it's only going to get worse. More and more fiscal policy, more and more central bank policy. But but what's crazy is you know after the Fed's, as as Zero had called it, basically their bazooka, or maybe their second bazooka after their massive one that they launched on Thursday. Uh, the markets are aren't buying it because this is yes a financial crisis i think i think we can safely say this is a financial crisis at this point but but it's not driven entirely by financial reasons um because obviously this is is also a viral problem here you can't fix it with printing money and by the way yeah the the stock market did limit down 15 minute halt it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens after that Plunge protection team time, 
you know, what type of statement are we going to get from the White House, from other governments? It's hard to say. But anyways, I, you know, I know I've been going on here for almost half an hour. But again, I'm catching up from the weekend. Um, and, and I want to, to talk about a little bit more about this virus. Uh, it's a nasty one. Certainly not going to be fatal for everyone that catches it. Um, but it is is uh, pretty darn deadly, especially, you know, in a healthcare system that is, is overwhelmed. And, and I'm seeing these stories out of Italy and, and notably also out of um, Seattle. In fact, there's this uh, a woman on, on Twitter, and, and I could find her real quick. Um, she's she's a uh, doctor, I think a bariatric surgeon potentially. I'd, I'd have to check her credentials, her background real quick. Um, out, of, out in Seattle. Um, her, her name right now is please stay home, but, but at Chen Bariatrics one. So she's a surgeon. Um, and, and she has a thread talking about, you know, just how nasty this is. Um, sort of the pattern that they've seen in a lot of these individuals that have contracted, uh, COVID-19 in, in that area. And, and it's, it's just not encouraging. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to, you, you'll probably survive, right? If, or when you get it right. Um, but it's it's still very sobering that this is again not just the flu. And I wanted to find this here real quick because it is such a uh, such a a sobering I guess message. Um, and again, I'll try and find it here as I'm scrolling through this feed. Uh, but but long story short, the idea behind it is is that this is something that uh, moves very quickly in in the population, but also in uh in in these patients and i'm i'm just going to give up on finding it here but basically what she says is that you know when when these individuals are infected uh, many of them you know the, the ones that make a turn for the worse uh, they'll come in maybe some difficulty breathing low o2 saturation and uh it, it starts as that and you know, they come in and they're put on what's called like a nasal cannula uh o2 through that nose type of thing that you may have seen people on maybe the one liter of oxygen is what she said. Um, within you know twelve hours, they're needing kind of a full mask for oxygen because they're just not getting enough at that point. Um, and then another twelve to 4, twenty-four hours from there, they're they're tube, they're ventilated. I mean, it's a crazy escalation. But then you know she even goes on to talk about how, well, even after that, um, what oftentimes will happen is is they'll be ventilated, they'll be proned which is, you know, they're put on their stomach to, to help improve, you know, O2 perfusion, I believe. And uh, they're given some medication and whatnot. But then after a while, oftentimes these patients, if they don't you know, die from that, they'll turn a corner. They'll seem to turn a corner. They can be weaned potentially from the ventilator, maybe put on some other sort of breathing support, you know, O2 and whatnot, and uh, weaned from some of these medications. Seems like they're turning a corner. But the ones that end up passing shortly afterwards, 12 to 24 hours, uh, they go into... Um, you know, some form of, of cardiac arrest, VTAC, VFib, and, and that's, you know, when, when you can't stop that, that's basically a death sentence. Um, it's, it's nasty, right? Uh, and, and the other thing is, is that, you know, you're, you're hearing these quotes of 80-20, you know, 80 mild, 20 severe. And, and I think a better way of understanding that is that 20% that's severe or 15 or 25 or whatever the ultimate number is going to be, Maybe it's a lower because of just lack of, of testing and realization of how many people have gotten it. Um, hospitalization, that's what that ultimately means, the more severe cases. 
maybe not in the ICU necessarily, but but needing some sort of support through medication probably, throw two, something along those lines. The milds can range from asymptomatic all the way to pneumonia, walking pneumonia, pneumonia that you may not need hospitalization for, but pneumonia that's going to make you feel maybe out of breath in pretty rough shape. I mean, that's that's the mild. That's what is relatively speaking classified as mild, right? Um, so that's uh, that's not encouraging. Something to keep in mind. I mean, again, the vast majority of you guys, unless you're an at-risk uh, population, it will probably be fine. But that's, that's not what matters here. Look, I, I will probably be fine. But I have loved ones that I'm in contact with every day that likely won't be fine. Or have a very high risk, um, you know, set of maybe comorbidities or age group and whatnot, right? I, you know, I, by the way, guys, I just finished up my final internship. Um, for those of you that have been following me for a long time, I'm a, you know, physical therapy student. And so long story short, I'll be, you know, pretty soon, hopefully a, a doctor of physical therapy. And, uh, you know, I have a job lined up and, and guess what? It's basically an assisted living. It's an outpatient clinic, but that means everyone I work with is to some extent at risk, right? So you can't just go there spreading it willy-nilly, to, to use that term, um, because you could kill someone, right? In fact, a lot of the research at this point has shown that that it's, you know, the 20 to 29-year-olds that are spreading it primarily because guess what? They... They can have even relatively bad symptoms, right? Still not mild class, but, you know, cough and maybe a fever and whatnot. But they can still have the energy to go out partying. They can travel. They can whatever. Whereas if grandma gets it, great-grandma gets it, she's going to be sick, you know? And and I hope that I'm just sort of preaching to the choir here that that you guys all understand kind of these risk things. Maybe you're in that at-risk group or even, you know, if you're in your 40s or 50s, I mean, that's, you know, a lot of these ICU admissions are people under, you know, 60, under 65, right? So so keep that all in mind, um, certainly, as, as you make your own plans, make your own preparations. Um, it'll be interesting to see what this quarantine, what this lockdown will look like. Uh, I think a national lockdown is pretty likely at this point here in the United States. It's already is the case in a lot of European countries, just a matter of time. So so certainly prepare accordingly. In my national lockdown, you know, what does that look like? It's it's gonna be similar to maybe not as extreme as what's going on in China, but similar to some of these other countries in the sense that if you're found outside your house, you first of all, you know, you're gonna have to limit your trips. Um, you have to have a good reason for being out, i.e. getting groceries or medications and that's it. Right? Or some other major, you know, reason for for being out. Uh and and if you you know if you're found out for that reason then you know good but but you know some sort of you're gonna need to be you know cops are gonna be out I'm sure you know policing this type of behavior uh, they may put up restrictions on who can leave the house right um, one person at a time maybe from each household and only so many times a day right limit travel to work unless you work in a necessary field right. Um, well, what's a necessary field? Well, healthcare, uh, emergency services, uh, power, water, waste disposal. Those things are all more or less, you know, important to, to keep up on, right? So, so great. You can still go to work. A lot of other jobs, probably not. Uh, additionally, uh, expect this to last probably a period of weeks, 
when this ultimately goes into effect here in the United States. And, and until it goes into effect, you know, I think social distancing is probably just inadequate, right? And and I get, you know, it's it's tough for me. You guys know I'm a big libertarian guy, and this is this is an infringement of rights, obviously. Um, and at this point, that's I'm willingly going to to follow those guidelines. Now, if this turns into some crazy grab for power, some martial law. I mean, it's that's a different story. Um, but but that's certainly not the message that is being sent. I think by the administration or by any administration the world over. Um, that's not. And and again, you know. Who is it that enforces those types of things? Who is it that would help with that grab power? It's 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 your brother, it's your dad, it's your son, it's your you know people we know in the national guard in the military. I'm not saying that that they would for sure disobey orders, but this is they they understand as well as we do kind of what's going on and what's expected and what's what's not maybe the course of this. Now I, I get it. Nine eleven, you know, a lot of our freedoms were eroded back in that time period. Because of terrorism, and and I and I truly hope that that's not the case this time around again. That because the government has has done such and such that they're going to continue to do such and such in the name of public safety or whatever, when it's sort of a constant infringement of rights. We'll see. But for me personally, um, from a societal perspective, from from my own family, it's you know it's it's we're almost in lockdown mode, right? Pretty soon here, day or two. Um, at this point, really limiting visits out, but a day or two, just calling it quits, you know, with the exception of maybe a couple of trips out occasionally. And, uh, and I, you know, I encourage you to do the same, um, unless you, you know, work in one of those fields that, that continues to need to work or something along those lines. So, uh, you know, I could go on and on talking about this. Um, I don't know. Okay. I have nothing but time now, it seems like. No, I, I'm going to take advantage of this time and spend it with my family, right? Um, and I would encourage you to do the same. I mean, spend time with your family if you if you have, you know, <laughs> with that being said, depending on who your family is. I mean, obviously for me, it's my wife and my kids, primarily. If, if family is grandma and great-grandma, we'll help her out, but, but you know, make sure you're not going to infect her. Uh but but take advantage of that, you know, whatever else you, you have in mind, start a new workout plan. I'm, hey, it's a good idea to start working about thinking about your cardiovascular health or losing weight, right? Obesity is a huge risk factor for, for COVID-19. You know, those are all things to keep in mind. Uh, hang in there. I mean, we'll, we'll get through this, right? Uh, most of us without maybe a serious sickness even, right? Um, and, and if the social distancing works, we can really limit the spread of this. Um, but hang in there, stay tuned for tomorrow's episode and the day after, and, and we'll see where we can go from there. As always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to today's podcast and God bless.